There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 and Grant, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. everyone and welcome to police off the cuff real crime stories i'm your host retired nypd sergeant bill cannon 27 year veteran and with me tonight is retired nypd detective and straight out of brooklyn phil grimaldi how you doing tonight phil i'm doing pretty good billy how about you i'm doing well you know this um uvalde active shooting case it started amongst a bunch of controversy in regards to the response and the way that the case was reported on by the police and it continues with such that um new video has video has been released and one of the controversial things about the release of the new video is that the parents really should have been asked to view the video first and they weren't i felt and again no one's asking me i felt that was a little bit disrespectful after all these are the people that lost children in this incident I thought they've been treated with a lot of disrespect in regards to information uh, going out in regards to uh, how they've been treated overall by everyone. And let's not continue to treat with them with this type of respect. So they're, they're seeing this video that's newly released video when everyone else is seeing it, the public, uh, politicians, the police everyone in Uvalde and everyone across the world. And it's really not right. And you'll see when we do show the video, uh, the graphic nature of it. And just, it's very infuriating when we know the backstory to this and what occurred and how many, many lives could have been saved if the response uh, to this had been different. Bill, you brought up a great point about the fact that this video, I mean, the family shouldn't have to see it by surprise the first time on a newscast. I mean, there should have been a pool, some type of a spokesperson that was a liaison between the police department and the families and get them together and say, listen, this is going to be released tomorrow. The, rather than you see it on the news, if you'd like to see it ahead of time, we'll show it to you now. I mean, uh, could could it be that they were just walking past the television someplace and they're, they're seeing this, you know. This no, they needed video? to have a special viewing just of for course. the parents. Uh, that should have been I mean, that way. It, where's the sensitivity towards the victims of this case? I mean, the victims' families are the ones that are now going to have to continue to suffer the after effects of this horrible tragedy. And I don't get, well, you know, where's the community policing part of this whole equation? You know what I mean? They, they, they should have had some spokesperson that was a liaison between the families and the police department. And I know it's easy for me to sit here and say this now, but these are simple things. I mean, th this is just like common sense to me. Oh, Phil, the, the way information was disseminated from minute one in this case was, was a failure, was ridiculous. And the way it was the lack of information was forthcoming in the ongoing hours and minutes and days, again, was horrendous. Uh, if you watch the incident in, uh, in Chicago or near Chicago in Illinois, uh, they were giving press conferences every hour. That is what you need to do in these situations that people are demanding information because people have died. People were killed by a shooter. Bill, till now, there are two things that are uncertain that are being reported 
both one way and the other way. The two things are whether or not there was an officer that had a shot at him outside the school before he entered the school and then radioed to ask for permission to fire the shot. Uh, when he was uh, finally gotten back on the radio by a supervisor said, yes, he, 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 he was already inside the school. So that's still till this minute being reported both ways. I just pulled it up on the internet. There's two differing stories. The other, the, the, the second thing that's still not clear. And I saw this just this afternoon when they showed the video on the news is that they're saying that the door was propped open. Now we've been told that the door was propped open. We've been told that the door was pulled closed, but however, the lock, the lock was uh, not functional. We're still not getting exact information. I don't like it from day one. And just think about how, uh, just, amateurish that the day after this whole incident, you have a major press conference with the governor of the state, the mayor of the city, you have all these police officials, and you still have inaccurate facts, not even close to the true uh, uh, events that took place. Even the timeline was messed up. So it's just terrible right from the beginning, like you said, Billy. Let's play a little bit of this. This is from a local news station. I didn't want to put the national news on it because they get a little bit too dramatic. Let's get the local news to report on this. Entry school student, but this student is not physically harmed. This is the moment the shooter enters the school and walks down the hallway. Behind the shooter, a child will approach that same hallway, and then you will hear the shooter fire several shots in the opposite direction as that child turns and runs away. The time is 11.33 a.m. Now, this next video begins roughly three minutes after what you just saw. It's just as officers arrive with at least one rifle and try to confront the shooter. You will see them come into the frame at 11.36 a.m. Then the video is going to speed up. Roughly one minute after they arrive, there is gunfire. Officers will retreat back to the end of the hallway where they will stay for the next 45 minutes. Now, this next video is a time lapse of a 45 minute clip from 1137 a.m. to 1222 p.m. real time. You will see officers gathered at the end of the hallway as more and more manpower as well as equipment arrives. Now, there are more videos showing officers and equipment arriving and staging in that hallway. But for this next video, we are about to show you the time is now 1250 p.m. That's about an hour and 15 minutes after the first officers were seen on video in that hallway. Officers move into the classroom and take out the shooter. And in this video, you can see just how many officers are in the hallway when the gunman is taken down. Now we sat down with Cedar Hill ISD Police Chief James Hawthorne this evening, and we asked him what stood out to him after watching this video. When you watch that video, it can't be it can't be any clearer that when those type of situations happen, that's when we have to run toward the gunfire. That's when we have to act and we have to do our best to save lives. And that video is, is clear 
uh, on what happens when we don't do that. Now, the Department of Public Safety is the agency heading up the investigation. Director Stephen McCraw released a statement saying in part, quote, I am deeply disappointed this video was released before all the families who were impacted that day and the community of Uvalde had the opportunity to view it as part of Chairman Dustin Burroughs' plan. Now, again, it's been seven weeks since the shooting. And in that time, Governor Abbott and many in the Uvalde community have called for the release of this video. Kristen Izzy. Absolutely horrendous. You know, when we saw this uh, in the very beginning, the date of occurrence was May 24th. We were very careful. Our words were very measured because we didn't want to criticize fellow police brethren. But when we see now what actually happened, we have no choice but to criticize. They needed to confront. And was were one or two or three of them going to get shot? Absolutely. You're going to get shot. You were going head on into a gunman with a high powered rifle. But you know something? That is the protocol. You confront an active shooter. You do not retreat. And the only way to stop an active shooter from killing, that's why he's called active. Only way to stop an active shooter from shooting is to confront and kill him. Absolutely, Billy. Uh, I, I really think uh, if you wouldn't mind maybe playing the video again and we could break it down a little at a time. Like, for instance, when that video first started and you see the shooter obviously entering the school, He's already been outside for three to five minutes, let's say. I don't know if it's three or four minutes or whatever it is. He's been outside. He crashed a car. He engaged the people from the funeral home. Uh, an officer went by. He ducks down behind the car. That didn't happen in, in 15 or 20 seconds. I think that happened over a period of three to four minutes. Let me uh, cue it up here and we'll get it right up. Stop it right after he goes down the hallway. Now... All right. I, I was wanting to see if that door was uh, propped open. We really couldn't tell, but it looks like he came in through that door. Okay. I mean, I could bring it back a little bit. Let's see. And runs away. The time is 1133 AM. It actually goes uh, before, after he gets out of that yeah, door. Yeah. I think there's other videos that I can, uh, I can come up with that, I, that, that may show a different angle. They show different stuff, but this is the clearest we've seen where, uh, I mean, look, the information that came out early was uh, this guy, Arredondo, who was in ch uh, charge, Pete Arredondo, who was the, the school chief. He told total fiction. They were waiting for more backup. They were waiting for more equipment. Look, you see the equipment they have. They had 19 guys there. What were you waiting for? There needed to be a quick tack plan put together, obviously, uh, with some type of a distraction before breach of that door. That's what comes into my mind in an immediate situation like that. Obviously, like you said, the chance exists that officers could have been shot, but between bulletproof vests, shields, a distraction, perhaps there could have been some... Uh, you know, uh, maybe banging on the door, draw some gunfire to the door, maybe get him when he was reloading to breach the door. We don't know if the door is locked, unlocked. No, I there was no time for attack plan. That was just go. Balls to the wall, go. Well, and you know well, something, Phil? I'm not saying anything I haven't done in my police career or you haven't done. I've gone through doors that had some bad mofos behind them. You know no, what I mean? No, I understand what you're saying, Billy. What I, what I, the point I'm trying to make is whoever's in that hallway in the first minute or two minutes 
That's what I'm talking about. A quick, t- all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going in. We're going to create a distraction by banging on the window. Let's radio to them outside or whatever it is. If they have a stun grenade, uh, maybe get on the floor next to the door, bang on the door like you're coming in. He's going to, you're going to draw some shots towards the door and then you can breach. You needed some type of, I, I don't, I didn't mean like sit down and draw out a plan. I meant a quick tap. Right, so I just want to show these are some very angry parents. There and claim you're doing that for us. You don't even know us. You have, you've never talked to anybody in this room. None of us. So don't sit there and say y'all are doing that crap for us. It's not for us. It's for yourself. Somebody always wants recognition off of dumb crap like this. Why are you trying to get recognition off of kids and teachers that have died? I don't think the parents were having it anymore. They're not, uh, they don't want to hear about, uh, we did this for you or we did this or that. They're, they've had it and they've heard enough bullshit and they're, they're not, they're not in a good, they're not in good humor right now. Let me put it that way. And they've been Bill, lied Bill, to. Then they're upset. And I got to tell you, when I pick up the newspaper and I see this cowards on the front page of uh, the New York post, you have no idea how that infuriates me. It, it saddens me. Uh, turning yellow is another description of the officers on the scene. Now I have to swallow that. You have to swallow it as a law enforcement officer and all of the law enforcement officers throughout the country have to swallow that. Uh, when you talk to civilians and they say, all oh, those cops were cowards. I doubt there was a lot of cowards in that hallway. However, there wasn't a, a, a strategic plan to go in there and, and to just take this guy out. Um, they look like cowards now. Yes, they do, I guess, because they didn't go in for almost an hour. They had 911 calls being made from inside the classroom. They didn't utilize any of that. And again, it's just, it's very, very upsetting and it's disheartening to have to deal with this. Oh, this doesn't happen to me or doesn't happen here or anything until it does. And it will. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We have to do something to get, to, to stop these kids dying. Now, Red Cross, father of 10-year-old Usaya Garcia and Javier Garcades, father of 9-year-old Jackie Garcades. Gentlemen, thank you for joining Top Story. I am so sorry for your loss, but I appreciate your candor and, and your courage for speaking out tonight. Okay. Uh, we are turning out to some breaking news that we're following tonight out of New York City, where at least two people, including a child. So you could see, folks, the parents that uh, have been called to task, they, they're, they're pissed off and you can't blame them. They've been lied to. They've been given false information. And these are these are people who lost children. You know, these are the people that uh, they, they lost uh, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, just just outrageous. And to think of that now, just now, six or was it six or eight weeks after this occurrence, the truth is just starting to slowly seep out now, just now. How, I I mean, if you were a parent, lost a child, how would you put up with this? I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't. I think it's outrageous. News, because tonight we're getting an excruciating look inside Robb Elementary School, where 19 children and two teachers were gunned down during the last days of school. The Austin American Statesman newspaper published parts of the security video, 
removing the sounds of kids screaming. But what's easy to hear is the noise from the hundreds of rounds fired by the shooter. In the difficult to watch surveillance video, we see the gunman enter the school at 11.33 a.m. local time, and then police officers from multiple agencies waiting to confront and stop the gunman in a classroom nearby. In fact, it wasn't until 12.50 p.m., an hour and 17 minutes later, when police finally confronted the man who carried out the massacre. CBS's Janet Chamley leads off our coverage tonight from Texas. And good evening, Janet. This is tough and infuriating to watch. Indeed, Nora, good evening to you. We do want to caution viewers, this video is disturbing. It is just a portion of the 77 minutes, and it has been edited to remove some horrifying audio. But what it does show is a picture of sheer terror. For the first time, we are seeing the horrifying moments the gunman entered Rob Elementary in Uvalde. The gunman walking down an empty hallway, stopping to fire into classrooms. A student spots the shooter as he rounds a corner and then runs away. Three minutes later, the first police enter the building. They're shot at by the gunman, and they run away. The video released by the Austin American Statesman then jumps to 19 minutes later. Now there's an even larger and more heavily armed police presence, but still no entry to the classrooms where the gunman fired more than 100 rounds, killing 19 children and two teachers. It is difficult to watch. For long periods of time, officers stand in the hallway. One officer walking over to a wall-mounted hand sanitizer in the midst of the carnage. At 77 minutes into the edited video, the breach is made into the classroom and a barrage of gunfire can be heard. The release has been part of a fight between numerous government officials and agencies, including the Uvalde district attorney who opposed it. Those calling for its release, including victims' families, hoped it would help explain the delayed response and why officers put their own safety ahead of those of the children. But tonight, it has only raised more questions. That video was supposed to be shown to the families and the community first on Sunday. That was the plan by the Texas Legislative Committee investigating. Tonight, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety says he is deeply disturbed that they did not get to see it first. You know, folks, it's deeply disturbing that as a police officer, a former police officer, and Phil probably feels the same, we have to listen to this type of criticism from the press, who are the worst the worst whores on this earth. But you know something? I can't sit here and, and watch this and not join in the criticism. You know? Well, I mean, did she really, was it necessary to say, oh, the guy's using the hand sanitizer? Was that necessary to put in that report? And I mean, Willis Pony, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. The first three law enforcement couldn't compete with an AR, so they would have been killed. After that, they had an AR, but just waiting for shooter to come out unorganized. You know, it's, it's, I, I agree, uh, you know, the protocol and we all say it. And again, look, every single human being that would respond to this would be terrified. Of course, you're going to be scared. And because you're a police officer, it doesn't mean you're not scared. You're terrified. But guess what? That's what you signed on for. All right. And you got to go in and confront this guy. There's 19 children that are dead right now because they didn't do it that way. Billy, think about it like this. Had they approached the door and just got near the door and drew gunfire to the door, I would rather have 
this scumbag shooting at an, a, a door and not, you know, not hitting anybody or shooting through a door. You know, if you're clear enough away from the door, you know, bang on the door, pull back and have him uh, firing shots at the door rather than firing shots inside the classroom at innocent little kids and, and the teachers. So I think there was, there was something that could have been done. I, I, I don't know. I would not have retreated. So, you know, uh, fast from that door. I would, you know, I would, you know, Phil, to- I watched, I watched a boss still holding people back. Did you see yeah. when they went through, and, and what are you doing, dude? Why are you holding people back? I think that was, to me, that looks like when they breached and maybe he didn't want, you know, he didn't want friendly fire or something like that. So listen, I don't know what was going on in that hallway, but I just pulled out my, my notes and I said that it was uh, about five minutes. He crashed the car at 1128. He entered the school at 1133. So there was five minutes of time. Now, when we had the uh, Nassau County police commissioner on, he explained that the average shooting Active shooter takes two to three minutes and response time is three to five minutes. Police were called at 1130. So there was enough time to neutralize this guy before he got through the front door or at least slow him down. I I just, it seems like a lot of this killing was unnecessary. Uh, There were police on the scene within three minutes of him entering that school, two or three minutes. So again, uh, yeah, obviously some mistakes were made. I hate to be the one that's criticizing them coming from law enforcement, you know, you, I'm sure you feel the same way, Billy, but uh, it's just, it's a blemish on the record of, of uh, law enforcement in the country for sure. This was early on in the case and uh, one of the premier law enforcement executives in the nation, Bill Bratton, this is what he had to say. Enforcement in Texas has been an embarrassment in terms of the information they've been providing, uh, the misinformation they've been providing. I teach this in terms of communications in times of crises. And you always start off with the information as preliminary subject to change. The information they've been putting out now two, three days after the event has been an embarrassment because there was so much misinformation. So we really don't know at this stage what happened in those first 12 minutes, that first hour. But we do know is that this seems to have been a violation of the basic tenet of active shooters, which is that you move to the shooter. No matter what, you move to the shooter to save lives. And officers around the country since Columbine now for 30 years have trained to do that. We're going to need to find out in the days and weeks ahead, did this department train for it? Did they, in fact, do it? I'm now reading news stories about some individual officers who effectively did do that in that school. What's also missing here, really, even four days into this event, is there's no schematic about this school. This is not one building. It is multiple buildings, multiple classrooms in multiple buildings. So they should be able to, at this stage to basically explain what does this building look like? Where were officers? Where was the shooter? The confusion. Everybody was killed in one classroom. We now find there may be as many as four classrooms this individual was roaming through. No, there's just so many unanswered questions. But at this stage of the game, they should be doing a much better job than they have been doing to try and explain what they do know. And it's, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Commissioner, how do you explain? Uh, we know we just heard from Ken Delaney and there is a SWAT unit in Uvalde. We know they've taken new security measures, physical barriers, putting up fences, school resource officers, doubling their budget to keep all these schools safe. How do you explain the delay as you look at this timeline from 1140 to 1247? How do you explain that? Well, that's what the investigation that is un- underway, I would assume. Uh, needs to be determining so that they can get information out to the public, to you and the media, to get to the public about what they know at this stage of the game. 
the doors and that is those classrooms. Do they lock from the inside to try and keep a shooter from coming in? Did that preclude their ability to uh, immediately get into these classrooms? We have no information as to what the inside of this school looked like in terms of what officers were dealing with trying to get into various classrooms. And so again, uh, the news media conference that they're gonna do this afternoon, hopefully they'll finally get their act together. Give us some schematics, give us some timelines. I'm not very interested in terms of the 911 calls that came in in this 12 minute period of time. Initial shot fired at the grandmother would bring a large police response in that small town to that location. The crash of the vehicle, the shots being fired outside at the two people outside the funeral home, the confusion. One of the things that clears that up is what were officers responding to? It sounds like they're responding to multiple shooting incidents in a very small town. There probably weren't more than 10 or 12 officers working on a shift in that city at that time. We don't have that information. So we're going to have to wait till more information becomes available. But at the moment, they're doing a terrible job of trying to basically control this situation. Hopefully, they may get their act together later today with the news conference that's now scheduled for later today. Folks, that was Bill Bratton very, very early on in the investigation, days afterwards. And when you think how little uh, distance we've come from that day, it's still messed up. And they're still just getting information because frankly some false information was put put out there and knowingly i think knowingly false information was put out there uh now you get the governor involved you get the mayor involved you get the politicians involved and now they're trying to protect their fiefdom and they're trying to protect their butts and the people who work for them but there is no doubt this was a disaster from every way, and the number one way it was a disaster was a disaster in leadership. The leadership was a 100% disaster. Yeah, I, I think we established that early on, that the leadership in, uh, role in this in this incident was not even there. It just wasn't there. There was seemed like there was nobody in, in command, and whoever was in command was making the wrong uh, decisions. But, uh, you know, preliminarily, I can understand that you could be off on times or specific uh, things that uh, that occurred, uh, but now when you when you're able to pull back, the incident is over. The, the shooter is terminated. Uh, you know, you're doing the crime scene. There's ways to figure out specific timing. You know, video cameras have uh, time timelines on them. You can even if the timeline is off, you can compare the timeline to the minute you're looking at the video camera. What time is on that camera? If it's two minutes off, you know you have to adjust two minutes. If it's five minutes, whatever it is. So they could have come out with a better timeline. The timeline seemed to be all over the place. Inaccurate information as far as detail of what transpired in that hour and change before the uh, gunman was, uh, before the classroom was breached and the gun gunman was terminated. So like Bill Bratton said, and that was only a day or two after that interview. I mean, we're weeks and weeks down the road and they still don't have 100% clarification of detail as to what went on, how it went on and the times that it went on. So they really need to get their act together on that. It's amazing how he's just strolling through that school. Look at this poor little kid, man, that walks up and, and just peers down. He obviously knew something. Look at that. that is just unbelievable That's to see right that right there. in a school, in a school in our country, that uh, something like that could happen. 
And at now, some, now, at some what point, did, he, he must have went and told someone there's a man with a gun firing shots and they hear the shots. So again, what happened with his information? It seems like all the information just, I, I don't know, where did it go? Where, you know, the, the, the kid calling from inside the classroom, I can't stress enough how that was so important that you had communication from within where the gunman was. And it doesn't seem like they either, you know, transmitted that information to those people in the hallway or, I don't know what they did with it. It's just, it's, it really leaves me at a loss. It's, it's just, it's just terrible. The whole thing. You know, as Bill Bratton said, you move toward the shooter and that clearly was not done in this incident. There was no moving toward the, the blame shooter. squarely on Uvalde school district, police chief, Pete Arandondo McGraw 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 rather now says the shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers could have been stopped in just minutes. Think about that. He also said the classroom keys that Aaron Dondo says he was waiting for weren't even necessary because the door probably was not even locked. Omar Villafranca. You know, Phil, that was another false hood that we heard for days and weeks after that is Wait that for the keys. they couldn't open the door because they didn't have the keys. The door was never locked. And we was fed that falsehood for days, maybe even as much as a week. So what was that all about? I could recall situations where they weren't sure if the door was locked and the issue would sneak up and, and get a rope in either uh, on the handle or the doorknob. And they would be able to either one of two things, either to pull it to see if it was open or they would be able to hold it closed in case the shooter was coming out. So there, there's different tactics that could have been taken with that. It sounds like they didn't even try. And then they're reporting erroneous information that, oh, they were waiting for the keys because the door was locked. They didn't know if it was locked. They never even tried it. It's, it's just absurd outrageous at a meeting where family members were there i cannot imagine how furious they must be the more you hear about this story the worse it gets good morning gail people were frustrated at last night's city council meeting they wanted pete arredondo fired even the mayor was upset he's saying the city has been kept in the dark when it comes to the investigation he told me the last time he was briefed by troopers was may 25th that's the day after the massacre bottom line People here want answers and accountability. He failed us. Do not make the same mistake he made and fail us too. Pete Arredondo wasn't at the Uvalde City Council meeting on Tuesday, but he was its central focus. These kids didn't choose to be in the line of fire. That's in your job description. Who are you protecting? Not my sister. The parents? No. Anger towards the embattled school district police chief and councilman seemed to be in abundance. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. On Tuesday... You know, I don't totally buy that, and we discussed that when we had um, uh, the Nassau County Police Commissioner on uh, talking about the response... And when shots are being fired um, and an on-scene commander orders you not to go in and you hear kids screaming, guess what? That's the time in your police career that you determine whether that order is a lawful order or an unlawful order. And I would determine that that was an unlawful order and I would go in anyway. And I would face the music later on because that's an unlawful order. Shots are being fired, deadly physical force is being used, and kids are dying. I don't hear, care what Pete Arredondo, the orders he gave. 
Well, Police Commissioner Pat Riley made the point, and I agree with him 100%. The incident commander is not the first one on the scene. The first officers on the scene are the ones that are supposed to make the decision, whether it be police officer, sergeant, whatever. Let's go. Keep going. We go towards the shooter. We go towards the shooter. And again, they could have put together something quick, like I said. Put a rope on the door. See if the, do the door is secure. It's going to draw gunfire towards the door. Great. I'd rather have him shooting at the door than at the children. End of story. 100%. Will as Pony, thanks again for the 999 Super Chat. Is it true the initial AR shots from gunmen on first three law enforcement went through the wall? Will as I don't know that. I don't know that for a fact. It, does it have that power to go through a wall? Of course. Absolutely. I don't know the information to that, though. Texas DPS Director Stephen McCraw blasted Arredondo's actions arguing that there were enough officers to neutralize the shooter at Robb Elementary within three minutes of his arrival inside the school. The officers had weapons. The children had none. The officers had body armor. The children had none. The officers had training. The subject had none. According to McGraw's latest timeline, the gunman entered the building at 11.33 a.m. Arredondo was among several officers to arrive and wait in the hallway at 11.36. Not until 12.11 p.m. did he request a master key to the classrooms where the gunman opened. There, there's another, that's another falsehood. A master key to the classrooms. Guess what? The classrooms weren't locked. Why are you asking for a master key that's not needed? The other thing is that Chief Arredondo didn't have a radio with him. What patrol, what street cop goes anywhere without a damn radio? Never mind to an active shooter incident. Totally unprofessionalism at every level here. 100%, Billy. Fire. Earlier this month, Arredondo told the Texas Tribune he tried dozens of keys, all of which failed to work, adding, quote, each time I tried a key, I was just praying. You know, that's got to be just an out-and-out -out lie. That's bullshit. Yeah, that has to be just an out-and-out. He tried dozens of keys. The, the door, You never, no one tried the door. That's been proven. No, no one went near the door. He might have been firing at the door or through the walls or whatever. But the thing is that this is a lie. I, I, that's not true that they were trying keys because the minute you put the first key in, the door's going to open if it wasn't locked. It didn't seem that anyone was either even down the hall close no. enough to that door to go try uh, the door. Said the door wasn't properly locked and simply needed to be opened. No one tried to do that, he said. And law enforcement didn't break into the classroom to kill the shooter until 12.50. The on-scene commander waited for radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. Of course, we still want more answers, and, and I'm sure we'll get them. Javier Casadas' daughter, 10-year-old Jacqueline, is one of the school children who died in the shooting. We spoke to him after last night's city council meeting. What does justice look like to you? Right now, I haven't seen any. You know, I haven't seen that. It will come. It might not be tomorrow, maybe the next day, but it'll come. Arredondo testified in a closed-door hearing in Austin yesterday, but take a look at this. Afterwards, he was surrounded by DPS troopers as reporters were just trying to ask him a few questions as he went into an elevator. Now, here in Uvalde, the city council says they just can't fire Arredondo, but councilors did vote to deny his leave of absence, which means he has to show up to city council meetings. If he misses three of them, they can replace him. That move right there got cheers from the crowd, but their patience is running out.
Nate. Omar, thank you. He should well, just, just do everybody a favor and resign. Well, he did. Just re very recently. It was either the last night or the night before. He finally resigned. I think yeah. that had he not resigned, the community would have made sure that uh, he he had to resign. And he was fired. Schmitty, thanks for the $5 super chat. Gentlemen, I'm sorry you have to take this scar as law enforcement, but thank you for your expertise and criticism. You can't help it. Your hearts are gold. Thank you so much, Schmitty. This is a very difficult thing to cover. And not just, I mean... For us, law enforcement, I would imagine for people that are in the media that really that really care about their job and really take their job to heart, this this is a very very difficult uh, difficult thing to deal with. And you know, as the truth start to come out, uh, and you see these these videos, and that all of the information, not all, but much of the information that we received early on was just absolutely false. That's disheartening. And, and it just hard to explain. That's the thing that's hard to swallow for me personally, is that all the misinformation. And then I think it was the first few days after uh, the horrible incident that took place, I went to a barbecue and uh, the first words out of somebody's mouth that was at the barbecue that talked about the instances, oh yeah, those cops were scared to go in. They were cowards, you know, and I felt terrible. I got a knot in the pit of my stomach at that time, believing that no, those cops weren't uh, cowards. They were just being held back by the incident command. You know, everything was so uh, incorrect at that point. And it's just, uh, it's a black eye for law enforcement. <laughs> Now this just, you know, just to watch that. And when you see the colors of an elementary school, what other, what other building in the world would, would have colors like that, right? Those little friendly, the friendly colors that you see, you know, that are the, the friendly colors that are the tile, the friendly colors that are in, encouraging people to be positive and the, the friendly colors that are encouraging people to learn just uh just unbelievable you know it's just look at that look at that and that's interrupted that those beautiful colors and the love that is in that building is interrupted by gunfire and it's just it just doesn't fit well with the colors that you're seeing in an elementary school and then to hear gunfire and then to know that that gunfire caused the death of 19 fourth and fifth graders Jesus and two adults. It's just, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just, it's just infuriating. Really it's infuriating. It's unbelievable. And when you hear how it went down, how there was the first incident where he shoots the grandmother, there's the car accident, he fire shots at the funeral people. I mean, there's so much going on before he even gets into the school. And then once he's there, they don't barrage the school, uh, breach that door. I, I don't know. Just very, very, uh, very, very confusing and very, uh, just hard to understand, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Phil, and when we watch it and when we uh, proudly come from probably the greatest police department in the world and we know that guys on our, our job live for days like this, just yep. live to have been working on that day that they could have used their training and used their bravery and used their skills to save lives. 
Billy, they could have been making some noise by that door. And then the others who were down the hallway, if you did it from down low, I wanted to draw him out into the hallway. That's what my mind is thinking from looking at this video. I want him out of the classroom. I want him coming towards us and come towards us in the hallway because we have firepower. And I think that the, the mindset of the shooter changes drastically when he's starting to receive fire back. You know, he's a big tough guy with a gun uh, going into a classroom and shooting unarmed children. But when the bullets are flying back at him, his mindset is going to change. He should have come out into that hallway and face those officers. This is the I mean, first time when they do confront them and then they're met with gunfire and, yeah, they, and you see... They don't have see, just uh, sidearms. They have that... One of those officers, one or two of them has rifles. Yeah, they have yeah, rifles. And, well, you see them retreat back and... Uh, we just ...to arrive and spread out through the hallway. There is an exchange of gunfire and a retreat by the officers. Authorities have said the incident commander on the scene that day then began treating this like a barricaded subject. You know, that was another flapping. It looks like he thinks he got hit in the head because he's touching his head. Maybe a bullet uh, whizzed by his head or some some, uh, you know, debris from it hitting the wall might have come down on his head. He he looks completely, you know, he he's very, very concerned about possibly being shot. But the other two officers have uh, rifles that I know that those rifles usually have automatic capability. So, I mean, I would like to have, you know, uh, thrown some shots back at him. Let him you know, feel the, the wrath of having uh, gunfire coming at him, you know, and, and if only he would come into that hallway. 3 a.m. You can see the armed gunman walking down the hall of Robb Elementary School. No one spots him or intercepts him. Then a little boy walking back from the bathroom sees the shooter, sees him enter the classroom, hears shots and runs for his life. 11.36 a.m. Three minutes later, police enter the school. More and more officers begin to arrive and spread out through the hallway. There is an exchange of gunfire and a retreat by the officers. Authorities have said the incident commander on the scene that day then began treating this like a barricaded subject, which required a slower, more methodical response instead of an active shooter response. The next clip is a time lapse over 45 minutes. You see more officers arrive, added protective gear, high-powered weapons arrive, tear gas canisters are brought in. During this 45-minute period, at 12.21 p.m., there is another short burst of gunfire from the classroom, and officers start to take steps down the hallway, but do not go into the classroom. It would be another half an hour before they went in. 12.50 p.m., officers enter the classroom, shoot, and... Unbelievable. Unbelievable that, you know... When I hear Bill Bratton say... You move toward the shooter. You move toward the shooter. And that just says so much to me. And, and I know, you know, we've got the greatest, uh, what is known as SWAT in the rest of the world. Everywhere else in the world, they call it special weapons and tactics. And New York City, they don't want to be called that. What are they called, Phil? ESU, Emergency okay. Service Unit. It's the cops that you call when the cops need help. That's right. And um, as I said, they live for days like this. And obviously in this jurisdiction, they did not uh, live for these type of days. You know, we spoke with Patrick Ryder, the Nassau County Police Commissioner, about the two different types of officers. And we spoke, could that have had an effect on it? There's two different types of officers. One is called the Guardian. And the Guardian is more of like a police community policing type officer not a proactive police officer, mostly 
uh, interactive with the community. Uh, and then there's the warrior. And the warrior is the guy you wanted on the scene this day. The warrior is an active police officer, arrest-oriented, goes to confront criminals. And unfortunately, maybe there's not as many warriors on police departments these days as there used to be, as, as there, there needs to be. And we've also mentioned before that police departments are paramilitary organizations, meaning they are modeled after the military. Many people after the George Floyd riots, after the Black Lives Matter, after the Antifa thing, a lot of politicians made big efforts to try to demilitarize the police, to make it like almost bad that police departments are uh, paramilitary organizations. But guess what? But days like this, that's what you need. You need a paramilitary organization that operates like the military so that they can accomplish this mission on this day. You know, uh, when you were describing the warriors and the guardians, the warriors are the ones that volunteer to go to emergency service unit in the NYPD. And I really feel that I've worked with ESU many times in the past that had there been a team, uh, uh, two or two, three teams of ESU guys going into that hallway, they would have came up with a plan very quickly to distract and to uh, breach that classroom and take out the shooter. I'm very certain of it. I'm very confident of it. Uh, what I was talking about earlier with the rope, I can remember having a, a, a barricaded individual with a gun inside of a house and the door opened in. So what ESU did is they approached the door very carefully. They tied a rope to it and they, they call it tying off the door. They tied off the door so that the subject couldn't rush out through the door and start firing shots at us. We had control over the door. Same thing could have been applied in this situation. They could have maybe tied off the door or tried the door or put a piece of rope on it to pull it. If the door is open, much easier to introduce a stun grenade or tear gas or whatever it is. So again, it, it seemed like they were just, the door was very hot shots by probably being fired through it. But like I said before, I'd rather have the shots coming through that door than at the uh, innocent civilians and children inside that. Well, an active shooter, training for civilians they even train civilians to attack the active shooter without yeah. a gun when would they ever teach a civilian to do that you know why they teach civilians to do that because he's going to kill people until he's stopped so they even it's bum rush the shooter it's go run, to hide, the fight. run hide fight yeah run and get away fine if you can't hide and if you have to you fight you hit him with a desk a chair books whatever Poo's blustery day. Thank you for the 199 super chat. Thinking he resigned from commission and not law enforcement job. Pete Arredondo. Yes, I, I don't know if he still has that law enforcement job. I know he did resign from the commissioner job. I wouldn't be surprised he, he would go into forced retirement. He, he was also he was also on the uh, city council. I think that's what he resigned from. I'm yes. not sure. But he may or may not still be employed by the police department. I think they have to go through different uh, stages to... Uh, to fire him, but uh, whatever it is, get rid of him. He's uh, 1133 a.m. You can see the armed gunman. You know, I know that this this is an upsetting video, no but this is the first time many people are seeing this. Then video. a little boy walking back and from the bathroom many, sees the shooter, um, sees him enter the classroom. It's a time that uh, many of the things that we were told for weeks and months have been refuted by these videos. So I think it's important that everyone sees them. Hears shots and runs for his life. 11.36 a.m., three minutes later, police enter the school. More and more officers begin to arrive and spread out through the hallway. There is an exchange of gunfire. 
and a retreat by the officers. Authorities have said the incident. You know, they needed to just go right back in. Unfortunately, uh, they needed an, uh, uh, more, more officers and boom, go right. You got to confront the gunman. They had to go right back in. They can't retreat. And I know it's easy for me to say sitting here, but they have to move towards that gunman. commander on the scene that day then began treating this like a barricaded subject, which required a slower, more methodical response instead of an active shooter response. The next clip is a time lapse over 45 minutes. You see more officers arrive, added protective gear, high-powered weapons arrive, tear gas canisters are brought in. During There's the enough officers there to provide cover for somebody to get near that classroom laying low and, and make some noise and draw him to that door. The hallway, but do not go there is the no classroom. time to wait. It would there be is only time to go in. They went in. There is no waiting in PM. this situation. Officers enter the classroom, shoot and kill. Look at the, the boss. Gunman. They're holding them back right there. The time Again. between when the gunman entered the classroom to the time he was killed was one hour and 17 minutes. Unacceptable. The time, there were 911 calls coming in from that classroom saying, please help. And there's a gunman. You know, I think we've learned a lot about this from this video and uh, it, it, it doesn't make it any easier to watch this stuff or to know about this stuff. In fact, it makes it harder. It's horrible. And, um, you know, we've reported on this from the beginning. We've brought in experts, Patrick Ryder from Nassau County. I tried to get Eddie Hartnett, who was the former Yonkers. Uh, he wasn't available on the same night. We actually tried to get Eddie Hartnett and Patrick Ryder on the same night. And Eddie got stuck in uh, Chicago, I believe. So we wound up having Pat. And maybe Pat was happy. He had the whole stage to himself. I don't know. But Pat Ryder, great uh, police commissioner for Nassau County has some really innovative ideas in regards to responding to active shooters. And I learned a lot just listening to him. And uh, he should brief Congress on some of the ideas that he has in active uh, shooter response. He has a tremendous amount of uh, expertise in the field. He talked about the Rave app, the, the app that uh, it's distributed to specific teachers or personnel with inside the school building. What that does is if they activate the app, it's a direct communication. It cuts out 911, uh, a 911 operator in the Buffalo situation where the uh, supermarket shooting took place. Someone called from uh, the back of the supermarket and were whispering. The operator hung up on them. That can't happen with this. That is a direct line from local law enforcement officers to the school, they they can text or they can talk to the officer directly, to, and and it gives an exact location of where that person that's activating the app is in the school building. I think that's one of the things that needs to be uh, implemented immediately uh, in Nassau County. Pat Riley, a commissioner there, he implemented it in his schools. It's something that's going to. Cut down on the response time. There's less uh, communication from a person calling 911 to the 911 operator to then dispatch to the, to the police. It goes directly to the p police. It will it will cut some of the response time down. And again, we talked about we need to slow the gunman down. The, the shooting is going to take place in a certain number, two to three minutes. Response is three to five. So we're going to slow him down, maybe get the officers there quicker. We're going to interdict him and we're going to take him out before he can mass carnage inside of a school. That's something, like you said, Billy, he should be testifying before Congress. That's something that could be implemented today. Absolutely. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to us. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button. It's free. 
Give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel membership. You see the folks in the chat in the green font. They support us on our YouTube channel members. And we have five different levels to that. Uh, and we appreciate all our channel members, all our supporters. And um, I want to, Phil, we're going to go quick to a quick commercial for sure. Joe Murray. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray.com dashlaw.com. You don't even have to be in the New York area. You could call him for advice. He's a great attorney and he's a great all around guy. You know, folks, one of the things that they reported on this was that at some point, I believe the on-scene commander, Pete Arredondo said that it had morphed from an active shooter incident into a hostage situation. That's an impossibility. That does not happen. And I think it was almost like an excuse in a way maybe he was trying to get himself out of hot water. It's an active shooter incident. It doesn't morph into a hostage situation. They should have still moved. Look, they're hearing gunfire. You still have to move toward the active shooter and don't tell people it morphed into a hostage situation because it didn't. It's not believable that that occurred. That's what he wanted it to be labeled as, or he wanted to be classified as a hostage situation. But like you said, Billy, we knew that there was someone inside the classroom that didn't make one 911 call, didn't make two, four 911 calls indicating there were already children that were injured. There were still children that are alive. That tells you right there you needed to breach at that immediately. I mean, if you still have people alive inside, you got to make noise at that door, come in, come in hot with a distraction or, or draw some gunfire to that door. Do whatever you have to do. You have to let him at some point he has to reload. If he fires enough shots, he's going to take at least three to five seconds to reload that gun. Even if he's pulling out the clip and putting in a fresh one, it's a few seconds. That's the time that you could breach and take him out. Uh, I, I don't know if they had uh, access to the window or a clear sight of the of the window outside the classroom, but that could have been used to uh, break a window and introduce a stun grenade or tear gas. These are all things that are just coming to me, you know, as I'm thinking about it right here and now. But uh, apparently, uh, there was no, uh, you know, sight of mind to, to do that at that on that day, and they waited a very long time. And unfortunately, a lot of children paid with their lives. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo, Harlem Raiders, neutralized the threat. Of course, couldn't Lieutenant have said it Pete, better, Lieutenant man. Pete. Yep. Arrakis, um I don't know if I'm pronouncing him. You are deep. She was willing to die for her children and police officers are there to serve and protect those guys. Just cowards. Unfortunately, a lot of people are um, feeling that way. You know, I don't like to, um, I don't like to feel that way, but you know, the, the video is, uh, is very telling and it's, it's, it's hard to watch that video. Janice Martin, it appears to be a very dangerous situation all the way around. The only thing I can see is maybe some could have gone to windows, look to see the guy shot him through the windows. There had to be some kind of plan, and it didn't seem like there was any kind of plan. You know, uh, it's 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 unfortunate that when we watch this, uh, 
it, it again it, it's it's telling us things that we're just finding out now who's blustery day phil and bill you guys are from the same grit my dad and all the law enforcement guys were i grew up with this would never happen on your watch thank you Pooh's blustery day we appreciate that we like to think that it wouldn't have uh Shalane uh, Thomason, this video should be used to train officers what should not to do. You know something, Shalane? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, um, Kathy Hughes at Janice Martin. Yeah, the first three law enforcement officers ran back due to his frigging at them, but other officers, look, they still had to get their stuff back together and regroup and go back and still go at that shooter. Hundred percent. That door to the building was definitely already open because it shows him walking right in, and the door did not close behind him. So that tells me it was already open. They did an investigation in regards to that door, and apparently one of the school teachers had propped it open, and then she heard the uh, shooter coming in, and she closed the door. However, the door did not self lock. Like it was there was something door. wrong with the lock. It was reported to the custodian previous that the door was uh, was uh, defective in some way. And she had gone outside. She, the door was propped. When she saw the shooting and she saw the accident, she ran inside and she unpropped it. Allegedly, I don't know if that's true now because there's so much misinformation. But again, we do know for certain that the door was malfunctioning, that the lock wasn't locking. Janice Martin, it appears to me that the police tried, but the guy was shooting at them. They appear not to have enough safety equipment for themselves. If they had more equipment, I think they would have done more. Look, the first three guys that ran toward the shooter and exchanged gunfire, you can't fault those guys. They received gunfire, but they, the whole group of police needed to regroup and reconfront that shooter. I, you know, I'm sorry. That's what has to be done. This is what we signed up for. No one signed up to be a cop to get shot at. But we know that the eventuality exists that that potentially could happen. Billy, uh, if you don't want to fire through the door with the, uh, you know, obviously there's civilians inside, children inside, you could shoot up. They're not going to be hiding on the ceiling. Just to draw anything you do by that door is going to draw gunfire from him. And again, I want him to waste all his ammunition on shooting at the door or shooting at us rather than shooting at the children. I I, I think what you said was 100% correct. The three officers went up, they met with gunfire, they retreated there. It's common sense. You have to retreat a little bit. But again, re-engage, get back down that, that, that hallway, make some noise fire shots through the top of the door up high where they're, you know, where they're not going to hit uh, any innocent children. I, I don't know if there was a classroom upstairs. Maybe that's why they didn't do that. But whatever it was, you needed to get him, draw him to that door, let him fire some shots at you and let him fire some shots through the door. You had to do whatever you had to do to make him run out of ammunition, reload, and that's the time to breach. Sarah, they were unprepared. Um, what's What's sad is that they had just been through active shooter training in March. So infuriating. Get in and get those kids out. Look, we all agree with you. We, I mean, this 19 kids were killed, man. 19 kids. It's just, I mean, when will that ever become a reality for the parents? Will they still be going to their child's room every night to see if their child is there? Oh, and just, oh uh, just unbelievable. Phil Leo, I saw no high-low, no stacking. That perp should have never been allowed to leave that hallway and enter a room with kids. 
Basic tactics and common sense, not gratuitous. Monday morning quarterbacking. Yes, Sarge. Phil Leo, I welcome your comments. I welcome everyone's comments. We don't shut anyone down as long as it's respectful. Uh, Lori Jensen, maybe this is a stupid question, but were there windows to the classrooms they could have worked from the outside? I believe there was, but that gets also into a crossfire situation that officers can wind up shooting each other. So they would probably tactically like to come in from one direction. So that, Also, uh, you got to remember too, Bill, uh, if there's a, a breach from the classroom windows, we don't know where the children are in the room. That's, uh, you know, not so uh, easy to do. I, I would think, you know, if, if the shooter is trying to protect himself, he's not going to stand in front of the window, obviously, you know. And if he, uh, uh, you know, is in the classroom, I don't think he's going to stay by the door. So he's probably at a point somewhere uh, where he could be away from the window and away from the front door. I mean, that would that's just common sense uh, uh, on the side of the shooter, you know, where, where he would be in the classroom. Again, though, the, the shooter training, active shooter training that the schools get, the kids are told to hide in either a closet or under the desk or whatever. So, I mean, you'd probably have an idea where the children would be if they were hiding. So, again, uh, just it's easy to talk about now, I know, but uh, there is drilling, there is training, and we're pointing out things that look like they could have been done uh, instantaneously as opposed to waiting an hour and 15 minutes for uh, – the breach that uh, took place in this case. Well, you know, the word that they used was there was an abject failure in the response and the leadership to the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. And I think that we have to agree with that. And um, we hope that, you know, active shooter training will go on all across this country and that things will be done that to prevent uh, situations like this ever happening again. Because it really is tragic. And, you know, some of the other things where the parents that wanted to run into the school were actually held back by the police. And you can understand why that was done. But these parents were willing to lay down their lives for their children. And that seems like more than some of the officers were willing to do. And I, 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 I cringe saying that. I really do. Because we take an oath to lay down our life for our fellow citizen and just... You cringe. And, and, and of course, you know, it's never easy to run towards gunfire. If you've ever done it before, sometimes you question yourself afterwards. You go, what the hell was I just doing? I was running towards gunfire. That's not so smart, you know. I've but been there, done that, Billy. I hear you. Yeah. And I mean, for those folks that have never done it, you know, you can criticize. But, you know, until you've done it before, uh, you know, Maybe you should try it first before you start criticizing other people. But, you know uh, what, Billy? Those officers did have tools. They had the weaponry. They had some ballistic vests. Uh, a ballistic shield showed up, I think it was within about 10 or 15 minutes or whatever. So there was some things, some tools they could have utilized. There should have been some engagement to try and, like I said, uh, get him shooting through the door or whatever it was, make some noise, act like you're coming in. Uh, the, the unbelievable fact that they never even tried the door. That's another thing you could easily just slip the rope over it and ran, you know, and pulled on the rope to see if it was open or closed. I don't know. It just seemed like there was a lot of uh, hesitation going on. Folks, I'm going to play this one more time. And then before we'll you do, Billy, now it looks like the door that he came in is just right in the middle of the screen towards the background. Now it looks like there's light coming through it, but it doesn't look like it's propped open to me. So it may have closed, but not locked. That's what I think. Yeah, I think it would be hard to tell from uh, that angle anyway. I'm going to play this 
And then we're going to go off. We're going to say our final remarks. And uh, just this is what it looked like that day. 11.33 a.m. You can see the armed gunman walking down the hall of Robb Elementary School. No one spots him or intercepts him. Then a little boy walking back from the bathroom sees the shooter, sees him enter the classroom, hears shots, and runs for his life. 11.36 a.m., three minutes later, police enter the school. More and more officers begin to arrive and spread out through the hallway. There is an exchange of gunfire and a retreat by the officers. Authorities have said the incident commander on the scene that day then began treating this like a barricaded subject, which required a slower, more methodical response instead of an active shooter response. The next clip is a time lapse over 45 minutes. You see more officers arrive, added protective gear, high-powered weapons arrive, tear gas canisters are brought in. During this 45-minute period, at 12.21 p.m., there is another short burst of gunfire from the classroom, and officers start to take steps down the hallway, but do not go into the classroom. It would be another half an hour before they went in. 12.50 p.m., officers enter the classroom, shoot, and kill the gunman. The time between when the gunman entered the classroom to the time he was killed was one hour and 17 minutes. The entire... So there it is, folks. Uh, Phil, final words? Final words. I think that this September when schools open again, they need to have strict protocols. One way into the school, one way out of the school. The fire doors that can lock from the outside, but you can push them from the inside in an emergency. Every classroom, once the 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 classroom bell rings and and class starts locked from the inside these are things that will slow the shooter down we cannot have situations where a door is propped open or a, a lock malfunctioning and they just leave it be no there has to be 100% 100% locked one way in one way out locked doors teacher starts the class she locks the door from the inside even though it's seconds all these seconds will add up to slow down an active shooter again the rave app that goes through uh, from the teachers or specific people in the school straight to law enforcement and then we could also introduce and I think a lot of schools already have it Armed security, armed officers, whether they be off-duty police officers, retired police officers, or military. And again, uh, anything else that we can do to prevent this horrible situation. God bless those little babies. God bless those brave teachers, everybody that was injured. And uh, God rest their souls. And let's just keep them in our thoughts and prayers. And uh, just try and do what we can do to prevent something like this from ever happening again. Folks, as you could tell uh, when Phil and I report on this, it pains us to talk against other law enforcement, but you know, we have to call it like we see it. And there was a lot of real bad mistakes here. And as a result, 19 children and two adults are dead. And maybe that could have been cut in half or cut to a third of loss of life had they confronted that shooter right, you know, right out of the box. And uh, as I said, it pains us to say this, but we're retired law enforcement and we like to give our point of view from a law enforcement point of view. And we're going to continue to do that. Folks, I want to thank you all for listening tonight. This isn't an easy one to listen to or to watch, to watch that video. And I want to say thank you and God bless. And we'll see you soon. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.